Welcome back to the Rabbit Center Podcast. Today we have 20 of the most common rabbitry questions. Test your skills and see if you can answer these questions. On the mic for the first time ever, Gabe, the man behind the curtain, the sound editor. Don't let a soft voice fool you. He is a 200-pound giant that wears a size 14. Also, let's get ready to rabbit. Rusty is on the mic. We're going to go around. We're going to answer these questions. Let's get started. All right, we are recording. Everybody, test, 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 test. My mic. Test, 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 test. Test, 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 test. We're rolling. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rabbitry Center podcast. Today we have Gabe miked in the studio. Gabe, what's up? Hey, I have a microphone now. Let's redo <laughs> that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Rusty's in the podcast as well, and we're going to go through the 20 most common questions asked and. You know, over the years, I've added these to the website on the RabbitryCenter.com. Everything that we talk about today, you can find uh, on the FAQ. But we're going to go right down the list. How's that sound? Sounds great. Cool. Let's get ready to rabbit. All right. First question, Russ. What are, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, psychotropes? What are psychotropes? Gabe, do you know what psychotropes are? Well, for, to my understanding, psychotropes are not exactly poop from a rabbit but they come out the same way and they're to feed the uh baby rabbits to help them get nutrients and uh help their immune systems i think uh are kind of like antelopes they uh run really fast and uh they can jump really high gay was right rusty was wrong oh darn it and uh, cecotrophs are the, one of the two kinds of fecal matter that rabbits make, and uh, it is. It's due to hindgut fermentation, and the fermentation takes place in the cecum, which is in the large intestine. It's a pocket in the large intestine, and it's it ingested. This is pretty gross, right from the anus by the rabbit. And um, even even a, a non-nursing doe, even a buck, will make cecotrophs. Uh, they start to you start to do this. Um, as they get a little older, they'll start to do this. But um, mamas, Gabe was right. Uh, um, a mama with a litter will actually produce these and put them in, deposit them into the nesting box for the litter. But even before their eyes are open, uh, these baby rabbits will will eat these cecotropes because they're packed with minerals and vitamins, and you can spot them because they're slimy and uh, they look like you know normal rabbit manure, but usually they're clumped together, they're slimy, they're stinky. Cecopops, but, uh, but yeah, they're Cecopops. They're incredibly good and and uh, they're they're necessary. So. What is that huge flap of fat under my rabbit's chin? Um, well, you know how turkeys have that that flappy bit? Turkey neck. Turkey neck. It's probably the same for rabbits. I'm not too sure, honestly. Gobbler. The gobble. Gobble, yeah. I don't know if that's right. Well, they have the beard. Right. Turkeys have the beard that comes down. Yeah. Something got. I don't know what that. Rub, I don't know what the nostril thing is. An old wise turkey. So I'm going to say beard. Uh, it's called a dewlap. It's a dewlap. It's on female does. Uh, they they actually store a little extra fat in there, and they actually are. U- it's used up when a rabbit kindles. She's going to lose a lot of weight after she kindles nursing her litter and everything. And you'll actually see that dewlap shrink. And then as she 
once she weans the litter and she, you know, depending on if you're rebreeding her right away, you'll see that dewlap get really big. Maybe over the winter, you take some time off from breeding. You'll see it get really big again. And then once she kindles, it'll shrink. Sometimes a buck may even have a dewlap, but they're not supposed to. That's a, that's an indicator that you've probably been overfeeding oh, or yeah. just lacks exercise. So that's, nobody wants a, an overweight buck. Uh, why is my rabbit's pee red? Is that normal? Um, probably blood. I got to guess. I mean, that's Occam's razor. That's the most obvious thing I can think of. This is probably blood in the pee, which is not normal. Probably infection. I'm going to guess infection. Or an injury. Rabbits absorb their calcium. And once they're done with it, they get rid of it through their urine. Huh. And most, most of these comments and questions come in around wintertime because the rabbits, they'll notice the snow underneath the hutch is all red. And they're like, what the heck? And they'll go right down the line. They'll see all this red, you know, staining. And that's from the, the calcium. Why is my rabbit's first shedding and changing color? Well, I'd assume it's probably something to do with seasons because a lot of animals have fur or coats that change depending on the time of year. So seasons changing is my guess. Kind of like a uh, dog molting with its fur. That's exactly what it is. It's molting. It's molting. Um, often in the springtime, a rabbit will, will shed its winter coat and you'll see all this. I mean, just fur flying around. There's mm-hmm. fur in the cage. There's fur in the J feeder, fur in the bowl. There's fur everywhere. There is just fur everywhere. And you'll notice these lines on the rabbit. And that's all it is. It's just this new coat coming in and you can use a, a buster comb. And this really helps speed up the process because they'll even eat it. They'll even get some of that hair in their, in their digestion. And it's really bad for them. It can cause blockage. This can really cause uh, GI stasis. So combing your rabbit this time of year or that when you, when you're seeing that, uh, is, is really beneficial. Uh, how do I pick up a rabbit? Um, I, I remember you talking about it, Bobby, but I don't remember what it is. Well, I think you can, I think there's two ways you can pick it up. Can't you? I mean, when they're little, you can pick it up by the nape of their neck, like a puppy. And then when they're bigger, you can cradle their back legs so they don't scratch you. And then balance the weight on the front. Wouldn't you do that? Kind of keep it close to your body. So there's two different ways to do it. You can either, you know, grab your rabbit and put your hand underneath the belly and kind of grab it to grab on the top of it to try to make it so it's a stable pickup. But there is like, there is this horrible uh, movement that's on social media where they're like, it's an anti-scruffing community and rabbits have been picked up by the shoulder skin since the beginning of time. And it's, it's called scruffing and you know, rabbits are very, they're pretty vocal. They'll squeal if they're in pain, they'll squeal if they don't like something. And so if it was in pain, the rabbit would tell you, I mean, you can pick a rabbit up and hold it by the scruff and it's kind of like, it's just like a little cub. Yeah. If you haven't, carried. if you haven't heard it, it is quite, uh, it is cu- quite freaky actually. The squealing. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's enough to, uh, make you jump. A little Sounds bit. like a pig. Yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's really shocking kind of. Yeah. So if a rabbit's in pain, they'll, they'll let you know, 
but you can, you can just grab your rabbit. How I do it is I grab my rabbit by the shoulder skin. I lift up. I put my hands under like where Rusty was talking about. I put my other hand underneath the tox and I lift it and I have it. It's stable in my hands right there. And then I place it into my arm, into the bend of my, my arm, like a football. just like a football. Yep. And I'll stick its nose right into my, my, uh, my arm. So it's, no, the eyes are covered. So it calms them down. Yep. It keeps them calm. So, and that's how I, I walk around. But if I'm going to be walking from one side of the, the property to the other, I will, I will carry a tote and yeah. I'll use the rabbit. I'll put it in the, the tote. I'll use the tote. And, uh, because rabbits have pretty good claws and I mean, they can get you unless you're wearing those long sleeves or those mechanic gloves. Oh yeah. They can just open your, the palm of your hand right up. So, but that's how I, that's how I carry a rabbit. How do I pick up a rabbit? Well, you could talk real nice to it. Maybe take her out. Um, why is my doe mounting my buck? Sometimes they like to mix things up. I agree, Gabe. But <laughs> so we'll ask again. Why would a why would a doe no. mount a buck? Probably. Well, it's a it's a show of dominance. I mean, our all animals are kind of have an ability to be a dominant in certain times. Yeah, uh, that's that's correct. Especially when it comes to siblings, it's a sign of dominance. But when a when a female doe or a female rabbit is sexually maturing, that's part of the reason why the mounting is taking place, and they're ready to breed. They want to breed. So often you'll put your buck in with your, or I'm sorry, you'll put your doe in with your buck. You always take your doe to the buck's cage. You'll put your doe in, and then they'll start running around in circles and the doe will grab the buck. And you're like for a second there, especially if they're the same color, you're like, who's who. (laughs) And it's just because she's very ready to breed, but, and, and plus often we'll use a a buck. That's a little, a little younger. Does in general will always be a little bit bigger than the buck, which is surprising. It's usually the other way around, but this doe, as soon as she, you know, mounts the buck for a little bit eventually the buck will get control and he'll he'll get the job done you'll see she'll be up on her tippy toes really wanting this to happen he'll but, figure it out yep yep so and then sometimes if if he doesn't you can always grab the buck and put him in the plate you know put him right on top of the dough and uh that'll that'll help him figure things out sometimes they'll even jump to the other side and do the wrong and you know you gotta you gotta pick them up put them around so they're just they get excited so Don't we all do I have to feed hay, and why so much fiber? Well, I do remember Bobby talking about pellets a lot. Um, so I don't think hay is a required feeding, but I think it is something that you probably should feed your rabbits. And fiber, I mean, fiber is good for everyone, even us. Helps keep your stool soft, and... I don't know other things that fiber does. It keeps Gabe's stool soft. Regularity. Yeah. Regularity. Yeah. You would not believe how soft my stools are. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I I have to agree. I mean, basically pellet is just the same type of thing. It's it's hay composted down into a hard crunchy pellet, pellet. So uh, with other grasses and things like that, I'm sure added too, but mm-hmm. It's terrific for stomach health. It keeps everything moving and it keeps the the good bacteria in the stomach. Whereas pellet is more for nutrients. And so they're both, 
they're both essential and the hay, you know, now not to say that people can't get by on just feeding pellet. You know, I mean, there's people that are getting by just feeding hay and grasses, but when you want to have fast grow outs and when you want to have big litters, if that's something you want to have, you know, good, healthy diets, then you're going to, you're going to want to feed a high quality pellet. You're going to want to feed a, a good, clean quality hay. Rabbits need a high fiber diet. So this is going to help them digest all that green stuff. It's going to keep things moving and it's good for their teeth. Our feed course teaches 70% hay. Only 30% of it is trees and shrubs and woody browse. All right. On to the next. Is a hare the same thing as a rabbit? So at this point, we're going to take... Uh, we're going to come back to that question? Yeah, yeah. At this point, we're going to jump in and do our helpful rabbitry product. Every podcast, we like to share something. This time of year, everyone is getting their seeds uh, purchased, and they're getting ready to start their, their starters, and everybody's going to... Not everybody, but... You know, there's a lot of people out there that are growing their own rabbit feed. And, you know, since we started our, our feed course, I mean, I, I kind of jumped in. I'm so glad we did that because now I'm excited about growing. I mean, I bought a new greenhouse and this little greenhouse, you can go to Home Depot and you can buy the lumber, you can buy the conduit, you can bend it over, you can buy the plastic. But there's this kit that is pretty sweet and it it comes with everything you need, and it's a, except for the shelves. Of course, you're going to have to like put your own shelves in there that will hold on to your plants and pots and trees or whatever the heck you're growing in there. But this is the whole greenhouse. This is the greenhouse, the framing, and uh, you can really have your own little tropical growing area right in your own backyard for less than 200 bucks. I mean, it's. I think the price is how much is this, Russ? 159.99. bucks. Yeah. So, okay, take it away, Russ. This is the greenhouse. So this Aromi greenhouse is 20 feet by 10 feet by 7 feet. Uh, the greenhouse is a large gardening plant house, portable walking in, portable walking in tunnel, greenhouse for outside winter heavy duty with reinforced frame and eight screen windows. Green, apparently, in color. Uh, the eight roll-up mesh windows have mesh netting to allow for cross-ventilation and climate control. Convenient Velcro straps allow for easy control of the opening and closing of the mesh screens. It also has a heavy-duty heavy duty powder coating steel frame. Walk-in garden greenhouse, solid steel construction with galvanized finish, which is resistant to rust, chipping, and peeling. The poles are tightly connected by screws, and the stable frame of the triangular structure ensures the stability of the greenhouse. Equipped with six top crossbars and eight side slope tubes, the enhanced stability prevent rain, snow, and forces from accumulating. Um, it has a reinforced cover, uh, durable and transparent, it's PE plastic, and the tunnel greenhouse protects plants while allowing nourishing sunlight to pass through. The cover can easily be attached to the frame and included with tethers and side singled tape. Uh, overlong cover design uh, can stick to the ground. You can put stones or bricks to seal the bottom or bury it in the soil so that the large greenhouse has a better air tightness to help preservation and stability. Provide more suitable growth environment for the plants. Now the plant hothouse has a large zip roll-up door, provides easy access to the inside, and can be attached to the top in order to stay open. And that is the Aromni Greenhouse Large Gardening Plant Hothouse. All right. Thank you so much, Rusty. Yeah, everybody wants their own greenhouse, and this is a... I was just shocked at the price. And it's, um, did you say 
P plastic? Is that what it's called? PE plastic. PE plastic. Yeah. Okay. So it's it, it's durable. Gotcha. I wonder if it's like six mil, or if it's something even. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't like say a tarp, what, tarp. Well, it's got to be. Gotta I'm be hoping like it's tarp, tarp. tarp. It's outside winter heavy duty. Yeah. They would call it heavy duty if it's not. You didn't do your get yours today. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Get All yours right. Today. Now we'll get back to the podcast. Okay. Is a hare the same thing as a rabbit? I feel like it might be a toad and the frog situation. Where, like, a toad is a type of frog, but a frog isn't a toad? You're kind of correct. It's, um, well, it's a different species, for one, and they're also regional. Uh, there's more hares out in, like, the Arizona, Texas warm, warm areas. Um, but uh, cottontails and hares are not the same species. So there's an eastern cottontail, and there's a European cottontail, and there's also a hare. And there's also domesticated rabbits. They all have different chromosomes. You can't breed them. They can try to breed. They can breed, but the just for fun. The amber and the embryos will not go to full term. They won't. So hybrid hybridization is not actually possible. But uh, they're all a little different. You know, like Arctic hares will actually turn white in the winter. Um, Eastern rabbits will will burrow and and uh, nest above the ground where European rabbits will actually burrow underneath called um, so not warrants warrants and I was um, gonna say a lot of people hide from warrants the hares will are they're actually pack rabbits whereas eastern rabbits are not you know so it's kind of cool the, they're all a little different some are huge some are small you know our eastern rabbits are very very small yeah. so but. I am very familiar with the cottontail rabbit because I did, uh, I think I did a report on it every year from like third grade to like eighth grade. Yeah. Just kind of just use the same report. When can I rebreed my doe? Well, sir, <laughs> when you can rebreed your doe. I'm from 1920. I've got something in my pocket. <laughs> I'd. You if, see? If I were to guess. Yeah, see. If I were to guess. Um, probably a few days after the litter, like the previous litter has weaned off of the dough. I'm going to guess that you can actually, um, start bringing her within two weeks. Yeah. Actually in the wild rabbits, believe it or not talking about Warren's, a buck will come in even between rabbits being born. And breed the doe. These rabbits are built and designed to reproduce. Usually within a day or two, rabbits are bred. So they, even though they have the ability to be bred, in most cases, we're waiting until the rabbits are weaned or right before then. So right around four weeks, at least our program, right about four weeks, we'll remove the doe from her litter. We'll take her to a buck of, of our choice, breed the doe, bring her back to the litter, until about six to seven weeks when we're weaning the litter and then we'll take the doe. She has about two weeks left in her gestation. We'll move her to a cage. And at that point she'll stay there for a couple weeks and then she'll kindle her next litter. It's pretty interesting, but rabbits are usually always pregnant. And this also keeps their bodies in check. If you have a rabbitry, it's pretty easy to overfeed your does unless you're really disciplined with your diet or you're continuously breeding them. Because Next. they're 
continuously breeding, um, I can't imagine they really gain a lot of weight because they're just like giving it right back to the rabbits and mm. nutrients, right? Yeah, it really just keeps their bodies in check. Yeah. It's the bucks you have to worry about because they just sit around and they wait get to lazy. breed. Couch, couch potatoes. Mm. They fall in love with the pellet. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know what? I'm just going to eat some pellet today. I'm just going to stay in. Yeah. So it's good to have. Tell Susie I'm sorry. It's good to have chew toys or, or something. Even let them, you know, out and run them around once in a while in like a secure coop area. When is it safe to wean separate baby rabbits, separate baby rabbits from the mama rabbit? Probably around three and a half to four weeks. I'm going to say. This is fun. One week. I, I sense the some... actual retail price is <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> don't overbid. There's farms out there. There's big productions out there that will get, believe it or not, six to seven litters a year by weaning that early. But what happens is their immune system, these rabbits immune systems aren't as strong when they don't have mama's milk. So if you can let that rabbit stay with mama for at least six weeks. Some folks go all the way to eight weeks, even longer. And that's really not necessary. Maybe it's just cage room or, or lack of cage space or something, but we usually go for about six, seven weeks. And then we move them out. At this point, the rabbits are eating greens or eating hay. They're on the pellet. They're on I mean, mama's milk factory is pretty much dried up. So that's a good, that's a good target time, but yeah, yeah, they can be weaned quite early. So, and often when you're coming across to cottontail and you find a litter, this is a big deal. You know, every year this happens, spring, summer, fall, they're really kindling often, you know, every single month. You'll come across a litter of cottontails. Folks think they've been abandoned. Well, mama left to go have her next litter. They're right around three to four weeks. She's pregnant. So she doesn't want to breed with, with her litter, of course. So she's on to her next job and people will call and be like, well, I found these rabbits and they've been abandoned. Well, no, they've just, that's nature, you know, and the average lifespan of a wild rabbit is about two years. Cause I mean, anybody that's mowed the lawn on a rider lawnmower knows it's pretty brutal out there. Life is yeah. brutal. Yeah. They, uh, they come at you out of the, out of the, you know, you roll over a hole and they, just come, come scatter. I almost get mad at the mama rabbit. Like, what were you thinking? You know, you didn't even, you didn't even bury this thing at all. You didn't even like burrow down a couple inches, you know, yeah. put them in the brush pile or something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've hit some big gardener snakes too. Some fat garter snakes. Oh, absolutely. You feel, you feel bad all the time, no matter what, whether it's a snake yeah. or whether it's a bunny or a bird or whatever. Whether, I mean, maybe if it was a snake eating a rabbit, I'd feel a little better. I don't know. Take care of the snake and you put the poor <laughs> baby rabbit out of, out of its misery. Right. At what age can I start breeding my rabbits? Did you touch on this earlier? It seems like you did. Well, if I did, Gabe would know. He retains everything. He did not. <laughs> because I have no idea. I don't know. One year? Wild guess? All right, I'm going to guess as well. Um, but I'm going to say earlier. I'm going to say... Four months. It's a little different depending on the breed of rabbit that you have. Small breeds, they always say five pounds or five months. So like Florida whites or, you know, all those little small cute pet rabbits. Medium breeds are the ideal meat rabbit. And that's your target is six months. Your bucks can always breed a little bit sooner. Um, I heard somebody, 
an old timer call them college kids. The Bucks are you ready to go like college kids. The Giants are seven months, so they take a little bit longer to grow out. They take more space. They take more feed. They take there's more bone to meat ratio. Giants, I think. Their specialty is pets. They're just big, gentle giants, and they make an awesome pet rabbit. All right. So the next question is, uh, how many babies does a rabbit have or kids? Well, I'm not sure. All right. I will say 12 to 16. Okay. So small breeds will average right around four kits and then your your New Zealand or your medium breed I always say New Zealand because that's kind of considered the number one meat breed you know they'll average eight rabbits per litter but they, they may start six maybe you have really good genetics and your rabbits are starting around nine it's you know I've even seen rabbits New Zealand start around three four these are the rabbits that you want to actually cull especially if things don't improve you're going to want to cull them from your breeding program specialize in rabbits that look the way you want or the color that you want are kindling big litters and plus mamas that take care of those litters this is all important you know you expect six to eight lit per per litter and then once they get going the, the litters that come after should even hit more like eight to nine, nine to 10, topping out around 14. If you're going to be breeding rabbits, you really have to be prepared for losses. So sometimes you may lose one, two, even three, depending on what time of year it is. But that's just part of it. What's so. the largest litter that your rabbits have ever had? Uh, I think, I think I hit 14, you know, I, I really haven't had any more than that. And I'm kind of concerned because rabbits only have eight to 10 nipples. You know, that means that there's, kits that are going to go without, they're going to have to fight for a nipple, you know, and, and these kits, they do, um, they, they'll drink, they'll get sleepy, they'll fall off. And then the other one can jump on. So it's almost like she's sitting in the nesting box, making sure all the kits have been fed before she jumps out. What kind of cage wire do you buy for cages or what to build cages with? I'm sorry. Searching through the deep crevices of my mind. I come to no answer. So I, I remember you, it was a certain gauge wire that you used, and uh, I think you used a different gauge for the sides and you used a different gauge for the bottom. Um, so I'm going to, again, I'm going to just take a wild guess here and say 25 for the sides and 10 for the bottom? Or was, I mean, switch, swap that. Wow. 10 gauge for the sides, 25 for the bottom. So it's... 14 gauge, 14 which is gauge. normally the thickness of the wire that comes around the sides of the cage. This is a one inch by two inch. That's like traditional. Now, if you can find a half inch by one inch, 14 gauge cage floor bottom, then that's money. It's it's expensive. Probably you have to probably buy like a 200 to 300 foot roll and it's going to be pricey, but you can find it. But in most cases, you can find a smaller, like 10 foot to 20 foot roll. That's 16 gauge. 16 gauge is sufficient to raise your rabbits on. So ideally you want to make sure that the half inch is on the top and the, and the one inch is on the bottom when you're, when you're looking at the way that it's been, you know, overlapped. Now you can build your cages with a one inch by one inch. That's probably going to come in 14 gauge. We were just up in Beaverton looking at those cages. We dropped those New Zealands off and that guy was building it out of one inch by one inch. Yes. So, that's some good cage wire. It's just really important to make sure that your cage floor bottoms are one inch by half inch, at least 16 gauge, 
because you don't want the rabbits like hardware cloth. You know, that's, it's a, I think it's a 22 gauge. It's a fine wire and it will irritate your, your rabbit's hock. Rabbit breeds like Californians and Rex rabbits. The fur on their hock is, it's just different. And they're coarser or not as coarse. It's not as thick. Okay. And it, it doesn't like, just like a Rex rabbit, they only can be in temperatures like negative 10 Fahrenheit where they're no longer comfortable. Whereas a New Zealand can be down to negative thirties and still, you know, blinking her eyes, standing on her ice, feeling just fine. Wow. So they're just a little different, but a safe gauge, a 16 gauge, at least for the cage floor bottom that all can be found on our storefront. Is there a reason that you don't make the bottom of your kindling totes wire? They'd probably get too cold. I'd assume instead of the bottom being wire, it's just solid, whatever material you use. So that is my answer. All right. Well, I think there's actually <laughs> another, I think there might be a different reason why not to make it uh, out of wire. Um, because you want to capture all the secotropes so they don't fall through the wire bottom. Well, is this the kindling totes? Yeah. So the totes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but because the cage itself is made of, out of wire and there's times when the babies will fall out of the, the, the uh, kindling box and get frozen to the wire. So why would, you know, so you don't want to have wire inside the kindling box because you want that to be, uh, you know, nice and warm and toasty and, and safe. Um, the, the reason why we don't do the kindling totes with uh, open bottoms is because they're in the dirt. And in Michigan, we get a lot of rain. We get a lot of snow. And when this rapidly uh, melts, we sometimes get floody basements or we sometimes get floody kindling totes. And the water will actually come up the bottom and the rabbits will be sitting on water. And so that we have to keep that sealed, we have to keep it insulated where no water is coming in so right. it's all dry so we can keep our rabbits dread free you're a good landlord okay nobody wants a leaky basement <laughs> what is line breeding i'd assume line breeding is where you have some sort of schedule or almost plan for a specific rabbit to breed with other rabbits so it's like, first they're going to go to this one, then they're going to go to this one at this time, then this one at another time, and so on. Mine's a two-part answer. First, you line them up in the line. No, I'm just kidding. The second part is, it's the line of the characteristics that you want in your rabbit. So line breeding, you're going to breed with for a certain color. You're going to stay with that line for that certain char characteristic you want. Both good guesses. Um, line breeding is actually when you breed related rabbits because you want to continue favorable char characteristics in your, your line, your heritage line. So if you want, you have a champion rabbit, like this rabbit just looks amazing. Maybe it won awards and I want more of that rabbit. Well, what you'll do is you'll take the daughter, breed it back to the father or a granddaughter, breed it back to the grandfather of the line, the bloodline, and they'll produce more of that type of rabbit. When you breed related rabbits, it maximizes 
the results, but it also maximizes bad things. So you could potentially hurt or improve. So it really takes somebody who knows what they want or what they don't want to get yeah, so to entertain life. Basically reading. you're either getting the the created recessive gene that you're hoping for or you're getting a mutated recessive gene that you didn't want in the first place. Um not so much recessive as amplified gene. Yeah. And it could be right, it could be a gene that you like or don't like. And it could be body shape. It could be color. It could be um grow out. It could be, you know, all these different things. But it's it's breeding in short it's breeding related rabbits for a certain reason next question my rabbit just had a litter now what oh an okay. unexpected litter okay. says my rabbit just had a litter now what yeah yeah okay i'm sorry that should say unexpected <laughs> i assume it means unexpected well now un- what <laughs> now what oh well, mama should take care of it yeah that's basically what i was going to say like as long as you make sure mama has everything she needs she should take care of it and if she fails then it's your fault and mama will never forgive you and you need to live with that guilt for the rest of your life <laughs> so now you, what you find unexpected rabbits and you don't have a nesting box or anything what do you do i don't know i blame you <laughs> Um, are we still on that? Yeah. Now what? <laughs> I imagine that you need to go out and get some hay. You need to get a box to, you know, help them have some, um, you know, protection from the exposure of the elements, etc. Um, you got to keep the mom happy and, and, uh, to keep the babies happy and, and, uh, make sure that they have a place to go in that's nice and warm. Now what? <laughs> Well, Russ is right. You want to gather them up. You want to put them into a, a tub or a box or a nesting box. If you have a nesting, you should have a nesting box if you have rabbits breeding and kindling. But if you have an unexpected litter, maybe all your nesting boxes are used up. You can use a shoe box and a pinch. You can use one of those little tubs. Just gather them up because you want to make sure that they're contained. They're clustering and where, you know, mama can, they can't be all over. Often people just want to let their, their mama have their nest in the corner. Well, what happens is those those kits like Kindle are they um they start wiggling and they start moving and breaking into two clusters and now mama has to feed two different clusters. So you want to make sure they stay contained with a nesting box or a box or a tub of some sort. And you want to wrap up some straw, put some straw in there, some shavings on the very bottom, about an inch of shavings, uh some straw. If you don't have any straw, use some hay. If you don't, I mean heck, you can run to the store and grab some cotton. Cotton will actually be you can use that in a pinch just for some sort of insulation. Um where your rabbits can stay warm because they need to stay right around a hundred degrees because a cold kit is usually a dead kit. So you have to make sure they stay warm and, uh, and hopefully you guys don't run into that situation. What does broken mean? I think I have this one. Means not working working. (laughs) means or a piece of it is gone. I'm going to say when the rabbit just does circles in the pen and, um, you know, lays around all the time, just kind of comatose, laying in the pellet bowl, 
letting the water drip all over his back, just not even caring. I think that's broken. This refers to a color pattern, uh, a color genetic in the secondary genetics. It's an E-N, a capital E-N, and it just means the solid pattern where a blue or a red or a black or, um, well, it wouldn't be white, but a red, black, blue, it's broken into spots. So this rabbit is called broken. That that was funny. I was way off. <laughs> okay. Uh, it means it's no good. Get it out of here. It's, it's a gone. bad rabbit, man. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Okay. So the next one um, is how do you catch a rabbit if it gets out of a cage? But I have a joke for you first. Um, how do you catch a unique rabbit? How? Gabe? I have no idea. Unique up on him. How do you catch a rabbit if it gets out of the cage? Maybe sneak up on it, use a slow approach, because maybe chasing unique after up on him. It. Yeah, unique up on it. Um, well, I actually been my particular experience with this because we had a velveteen lop-eared named Elizabeth, and we would often let her out of the cage to run around the backyard with the dog, and she would not want to go back in. So I had no choice but to chase her, and the way I personally we would catch Elizabeth was I had a laundry basket and I would wait till she calmed down and I'd let me approach her and then I would just lay the laundry basket over top of her and then scoop her up. Nice. Nice approach. Well, over the years, from time to time, we've had a rabbit get loose and we've tried several different things. A telescoping uh, net really works well. The best way that I found over the years is a live trap. I basically just put hay at the very back of the live trap. I'll put an apple in there or something. Well, not a whole apple, but an apple slice of banana. You don't want to spoil a piece of banana. <laughs> well, it's just too much sugar <laughs> herbs, but that were really even, even grass, grass, hay, hey. some fresh stuff and yeah, like oats, anything really. And in, in overnight, mo in most cases, you put it right by the rabbitry hutch because they're kind of sneaking. They're munching on some of the hay that's dropped below the cages. You'll come out. No chasing. <laughs> no running any of the, ra the rabbit down. Sounds it's just an nice easy way. Um, what's the best brand of pellet and how do I feed my rabbit? As of brand, I am not a avid rabbit pellet pellet shopper. Well, my guess is going to be the best brand of pellet would be rabbit pellet. You don't want to be feeding them goat pellet, you know, or sheep pellet. You want you want to have rabbit pellet. So rabbit pellet's the best pellet. And as for how do I feed my rabbit, what I found, <laughs> what I found in my experience is you grab a handful of pellet, you open the door, and you just kind of toss it at them. How many bloody berries you have you had? You make a game out of it. <laughs> they seem to really enjoy it. Feed them as much as you want. Man, we could have really had a shorter podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you could just take that. What was the question? What's the best brand of pellet and how do I feed my rabbit? 
Okay, so whenever you're picking out a pellet, you want to make sure you're reading the labeling because protein levels and fiber levels are so important. And you, you can go out there and find some feed. There's lots of different feeds. There's adult feed. There's junior feed. There's there's kindling uh, or nursing dough feed. And so looking at the protein level, um, an older dough is going to have like a 12 to 13% protein. Uh, a kindling dough or a breeder buck, you want to make sure you're feeding these rabbits uh, 16% at least. You know, some folks feed 18%. Uh, it's up to you, but it's just really important that you're making sure the fiber and the the protein is right around seventeen percent, sixteen to seventeen percent at least. So, um, if you're if you're throwing in some hay as well, I'd like a handful of hay in the morning, handful of hay in the evening. Uh, really beneficial, fresh water, and and that's the bare essentials right there. So, um, how do you run a rabbitry? How do you run a rabbitry, Bobby? Sum it, up, sum it up for us. Sum, nice up, little sum it up for a little paragraph, like a little couple of sentences. How do you run a How do you run a rabbitry, Gabe? Well, I probably wouldn't run one very well. Okay, preferably I would not want to run a rabbitry, but I would like to walk a rabbitry. I think that'd be more healthy, greater exercise. You'd have better stamina. Um. I really have to defer to you as well, Bobby, because I'm not ex- I'm not experienced in the uh, rabbitryness. Running a rabbitry, really, it's it's something different to everybody. But you know how you run a rabbitry correctly is that you you have to be prepared to process rabbits because rabbits reproduce. You have to to feed your rabbits on a disciplined food program. You have to understand that you're going to have to educate yourself in, in rabbits. It's one thing to have rabbits, but it's another to, to be doing things correctly. There's so many people on the internet right now with bad information, sharing information, you know, people that are raising rabbits for pets are not going to do the same things the same way that folks that are raising rabbits for shows are raising rabbits for meat production. So it's really important to, to keep learning, keep searching, for answers. Be sure to read books from experts. Watch people that are raising rabbits that are local to your area because that's really going to matter depending on what they're growing. Entertain, uh, you know, growing your own rabbit feed. We just put out a rabbit feed course that shows folks what to grow, when to grow it, how to grow it. And it's super informative. Uh, and, and whenever you're re- ready to to take it to the next level and actually sell rabbits. And I never would recommend raising rabbits to get rich. I think that you should raise rabbits because you just enjoy watching beautiful things grow. You want to raise a chemical free meat for your family. Um, you want to, you know, specialize in showing rabbits or create the perfect rabbit through breeding or line breeding and that sort of thing. These are all good reasons. That's how you run a rabbitry, but you don't run a rabbitry without the intention of ever processing a rabbit or, you don't run a rabbitry willy nilly, just feeding them whatever, or, you know, thinking that you can quit your job and get rich. No, those are not the right reasons to, that's not how you run a rabbitry. So I just didn't, I didn't realize how loaded that question was. Yeah. Well, looking at you, watching you over the years, you know, from outside the box, looking in at what you've um, sacrifice and what you dedicate and how much time you give to your rabbitry and not only your rabbitry and your rabbits, but also taking the time with your customers and as- answering their questions and making time out of your own schedule to meet with them, you know, allow them to pick up the rabbits or pick which ones they want, et cetera. And then also, you know, watching you and 
become so environmentally conscious as well, like raising the willow trees for the rabbits and, and all those other crops that you specifically grow to, to help the, the health of your, of your rabbits and your rabbitry. But you also spend a lot of time educating the public. I mean, uh, one of the best resources I think that any listener can, can go to is your, is your multiple YouTube videos that you've, that you've done throughout the years of, of running a rabbitry, um, your online courses that you have, um, of course, the podcast, which answers a bunch of questions from the very first episode, you know, you kind of built from episode to episode those different steps as you uh, prepared your rabbitry and, and kind of built that, kind of answered that question in your podcast. But um, you've got some great examples, especially videos. The YouTube videos are just an amazing learning tool for people to go to and, and utilize. And so I I want to make sure that we took a moment to – to uh, advertise that because i don't think you talk about that enough appreciate that man um, well i think i think the people if they I really enjoy it yeah if they discover it, they'll notice how much passion you have for it because you're i think your passion that's why your videos do so well that's why you have so many likes is because you people can see the level of passion that you have and uh and, and you can see that come through in your videos thanks yeah so i really appreciate anybody that takes the time to reach out because that's how that's how we know what podcasts to do. That's how we know what videos to make. And uh, really appreciate everyone that has did that. And, and thank you, Gabe, for getting on the mic for the first time ever. And uh, everyone for listening. And I think that's that's all for this podcast. I think we uh, I think we got a rabbit on. All right. <laughs> got yeah. a rabbit. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you on the next podcast. See you later. See ya.